Hello, everyone, and welcome to a late edition of Locked on Guardians. I want to apologize. I fell asleep. I don't have any other reason <laughs> than that. Sometimes you get tired. Uh, for those who don't know me, I am Jeff Ellis. And before I get into my spiel, I want to thank you for making Locked on Guardians your first listen today and every day for you available on whatever podcast, app, streaming site you listen to podcasts, you will find Locked on Guardians. As previously mentioned, I'm Jeff Ellis. I'm the host of this show, When I Can Stay Awake. I've been the host of Locked on Guardian since its inception all those years ago. Uh, before that, I worked at Scout and 24-7 as a lead prospect and draft analyst. And what we're going to do is what I originally promised. We're going to talk 1976 MLB draft. Again, when I reached out a few weeks ago, we didn't do draft last week. We got so busy in a lockout. I missed the draft because we actually had enough things to talk about content-wise uh, that uh, we didn't get to it. Now, I gave a teaser on Monday about this draft that is a crazy draft. So from pick 14 through pick 17, four picks in a row, you have four players taken who are all high school players in Ohio, three of the four from the Cincinnati area, the other one from the uh, Dayton area. By the way, the third pick in the entire draft came from East High School in Youngstown. So this is back when there's 24 teams. Uh, Of those 24 players, only 21 signed. And of those 21, five were from Ohio. Five were Ohio prep players. You know, I'd really have to sit here and look at round after round to see if this ever happened again. It seems, it feels unlikely. Uh, It is really kind of odd just to look at that when I was going through the data. It blew my hair back. Uh, so your first overall pick was Floyd Bannister uh, in 76. He got $100,000, significantly more than anyone else. He had a solid career. He was a good player. Uh, the only other two players who really, I mean, there were five players with wars over 10. Top player was Bruce Hurst, who went 22nd to the Red Sox uh, out of Dixie High School in Utah. Not often talk about <laughs> the prep class. Now, in general, by the way, 24 players chosen in the first round three college players. That's it. Just three college players. Now of those three college players, uh, all of them made it to the big leagues and two of the three are two of the, yeah, two of the three are two of those players with, uh, I'm sorry, there's six players with wars over 10 and two of them came from that college one. So that worked out pretty well. Floyd Bannister, as we mentioned, top overall pick Arizona state. He would go on to pitch 431 games in the big leagues, have a war of 2.6. The other college player, uh, who would have a war over 10 was Ken Landro, Landra, uh, also from Arizona State. So that program was uh, loaded at the time. Uh, now, the if you're, he got 82000 which I believe is the second highest bonus in his class. So those are the two highest bonus guys. Third player, now uh, Landro was the sixth overall pick. The fifth overall pick, Bob Ochiniku, who went from Eastern Michigan. That's right, Eastern Michigan had the fifth overall pick in the draft. Uh, those Ohio players, so this is uh, Ken Smith, who did make it to the big leagues for 83 games from East High School, was the third overall pick to the Braves. And then starting with, let's see, starting with the Indians, they took Tim Glass, a catcher from Springfield High, Springfield South High School in Springfield, Ohio. Springfield South, uh, when I did my research, doesn't even exist anymore. So there's that, which is kind of humorous. Uh, Glass never made it to the big leagues they could have drafted a lot better players uh, other than him, including with the next pick, uh, Leon uh, Durham, Durham, who uh, apparently I don't know how to say Durham. Durham would go on to have a 16.2 war. He was very effective in over 1,000 games in the big leagues. He went to Woodard High School. 
yeah, he mostly played in the big leagues with the Cubs. That's kind of the central part. While he was drafted by the Cardinals, it was the clubs, clubs, no, the Cubs that he was uh, most affected for. I mean, this is a player who, I mean, he was more of a 20 home run guy in the early 80s, but he also hit, like, he had the one year where he was an all-star and a silver slugger as a 1982, as a uh, 24-year-old. 22 home runs, 33 doubles, 312 average, 388 on base. He actually walked quite a bit. Like he's one of those players who in retrospect is probably better than he was appreciated in his time because of that. Like he was walking at a decent clip uh, and his slugging was a 512. Like, I mean, his, you go through this player's career and up until his age, uh, age 30 year in 1988, which was his second to last year in the big leagues. And it was not a big thing. He did it drop off, but he was still close to league average. He was always like a 120 or higher, 130s, 150s in terms of OPS plus. He was really good and probably never quite appreciated because he was a low home run guy, but he would walk and hit a ton of doubles. So uh, Leon, Dur- Leon Durham, take a bow. You were an excellent pick, 15th to the Cardinals. 16th to the Yankees from McNichols High School, Pat Tabler, future Indian, future player uh, who would spend quite a bit of time with the Indians organization. He actually played more games in the big leagues than Leon Durham with uh, 1,200, but he is a 3.1 war, significantly less productive. After that, Jeff Krause went uh, 17th to the Phillies out of Coleraine High School. I mostly know them as a football school. Uh, Maybe I am wrong with that. Uh, The last players to mention in terms of guys, the wars over 10 in this first round, Mike Sosha. Yes, that Mike Sosha went... Uh, to the Dodgers, 19th overall. And then Steve Trout, not related to Mike, but son of Dizzy Trout, I want to say, who was a might have been a Hall of Famer, his dad. I have to go dig. Steve Trout's an interesting one. Uh, he, he is a guy who from Detroit who had some really high highs and some really low lows. And again, it's this era where there was just higher expectations on him. But then it's also the era where, like, this guy could pitch in the majors for 301 games, even though his strikeouts per nine for his entire career are 3.9. Like, he never missed bats while his walk rate is 3.5. His hit rate is 10. His home run rate is 0.5. It's like, wait, what? Like, he was uh, had some good years in there with uh, the Cubs, I think is what stood out. Cubs and White Sox pitch for both. Uh, you know, he was he was good enough. Uh, that's where it works out. A an Illinois kid who got drafted by the White Sox and pitched for both the Cubs and the White Sox. That's kind of humorous in its own way. We will come back in the second part of the show. We're going to dig into this Indians draft class. Yes, Tim Glass did not work out for them. Did anyone else work out? Who else is in this class? It's always interesting to see uh, who there is and who is going to be the uh, the most productive players. Uh, before we go, one last stat. If you're curious, because I was... Number of first-rounders from Eastern Michigan. Uh, just first-round regular. Like I see like first-round RG. I believe that refers to a different type of draft over here uh, in the uh, baseball reference. So out, outside of Bob Owinchku, uh, the other one, I'm sure there's someone screaming at the, the podcast right now, is another Bob, Bob Welch. Yes, the... Uh, Great pitcher for, I think of him with Oakland. He was drafted by the Dodgers. Those are the two first-rounders. In terms of war, Chris Hoyles, the catcher, is the second-best player from that program. Had a pretty productive career uh, over a lot of years, and he was an 18th-round pick. So that's 
that is that draft class. Like I said, we're going to come back, talk about the Indians. There are some names to know. Uh, there is the greatest 14th round pick in team history. So you want to stick around and listen to that. Okay, Cleveland Guardians fans. It's already been an interesting offseason. It won't be long before pitchers and catchers report. I'm going to give you an inside track on the absolute best fantasy baseball platform in the industry. It's Fantrack. Fantrack is the most customizable MLB fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy baseball commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your draft this offseason. It's also the top dynasty fantasy baseball platform in the industry. Go deep with the ultimate keeper in dynasty leagues. Create a simple redraft league or even a customizable best ball league with up to 2,000 teams. Coming from another service, Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Ever have ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax commissionary tools uh, allow you to undo any move with one simple click. Among the most trusted names of fantasy sports since 2008, Fantrax invites you to sign up today for free. If you do, you'll be entered to win an official MLB-signed ball by Fernando Tatis Jr. Who doesn't want that? Simply go to Fantrax.com backslash locked on. And use the promo code TETIS when you sign up to be eligible to win. If there's anything lacking in your current Fantasy League manager, Fantrax likely has it. Fantasy sports doesn't sleep, but neither does Fantrax. With seasons running 365 days a year, there's a reason why fantasy players who try Fantax, Fantrax make it a permanent home for all of their fantasy leagues. Don't miss this opportunity. Sign up today to win an official MLB signed Fernando Tatis Jr. Baseball. Simply go to Fantrax.com backslash locked on and use the promo code TETIS. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Play ball. People, get your TV together. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get the, all the entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your entertainment, to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device is required. Content varies by package. So let's dive into this draft class. So we've discussed... How the first round went in the 1976 draft. I was negative five years old. You, you don't have a star, really, of some solid players. A lot of high school, and specifically a lot of Ohio high school players in that first round. Uh, heading into the second round, we don't have anyone from Ohio. So let's, just, let's discuss that they're still high school dominant. Uh, big name here in round two, Alan Trammell. Second overall pick. Uh, it, Probably the best player, I mean, I don't think arguably, the best player in this class. Uh, Hall of Famer, in my opinion. If you go down to the Mets with pick 13 out of Pepperdine, rare college guy, you have Mike Scott, who was, uh, I think of him with the Astros, right? A effective pitcher, might have won a, a Cy Young with them. The rest of this draft class in the second round, not super great. Yeah, so 86, he won the Cy Young. I was right. Multi-time All-Star with Houston. Uh, I think I had like a tops baseball card folder does anyone else remember those like when you're in school and it's like the front of the card was one side and the stats were on the back i think i had a mike scott one i don't know why i had a mike scott one but i think i did uh, the indians were picking 14th one pick after mike scott they took sam spence a right-handed pitcher out of brandon high school in brandon florida 
you know, I realized we didn't really talk about, uh, we'll, we'll go back and talk Tim Glass. Spence uh, got up to double A Chattanooga in uh, 1979. For the most part, I, he just, he wasn't terrible. Uh, I don't know if he just chose to not keep going. Like a 238 ERA with 24 starts in 1978. Uh, in 1979 like a 370 era and you think about the time like he steadily moves through the indian system uh but then after 79 that's it uh he it's like i said it's not a bad year it's not bad statistics I and mean, he wasn't the biggest guy uh good luck of he was trying to find like any information about that era why a player chose to retire back then those things uh trust me i've gone down those pathways it's it's there's not much there I mean, even for someone who's 10 years later, it's hard to figure out what went wrong. As for Tim Glass, he actually stayed in the system until 1985. Uh, so he had almost a 10-year career, in the, had a 10-year career in the minors. Got up to double-A in 81. Uh, and he was an everyday starter in double-A in 82, 83, and 84. Never got up to triple-A. Uh, in 1984, he had himself a year. 306 average, 368 on base, 517 slugging. His overall minor league numbers, like for a catcher, 245 average, 346 on base, 785 OPS. Those aren't bad numbers. And he would slug, you know, double-digit home runs, broke 20 twice doing two different minor league seasons, had some doubles. Again, he walked. Like he had a season where he struck out 133 times, but he walked 77 in double-A. He would get on base. The on-base percentages were not bad. I don't. Tim Glass, like I look at these numbers and I think how bad catching was. You think about Andy Allenson being a catcher around this era and him not being able to hit his weight. And it's interesting. He would have gotten an opportunity nowadays that he didn't get that. Like he just by being a catcher. Now he might have been a first baseman. It says catcher, first baseman. Uh, by the time he got to the upper levels. Now he was still mostly catching in 83. and 84, he was only a catcher. Uh, 85, limited data, but he was splitting time. Most of his games were as a, was as a catcher. So Tim Glass, you deserve more than you got. Let's jump to the third round. We always kind of look at those top three rounds in terms of, you know, the high value picks. Now I don't really know. Remember Dan Schwatzetter uh, or John Castino? Those are your productive guys. Rollins College and the University of Denver. Uh, not names you typically see, but uh, Expos and Twins for both those guys. In terms of Rollins, Co- hey Rollins College has actually had quite a few guys drafted. Uh, Clay Bellinger. A father of Cody, right? I mean, he played in the big leagues for a while. He's from there. Brian Meyer, I don't really remember. Uh, in terms of high picks, uh, Bellinger was a second rounder. And Castino, I mean, Castino's the guy from Rollins. And then University of Denver, uh, Craig Stimmack is the only other player who made it to the big leagues. In terms of highest round, uh, it was Dan Schwatzetter. Uh, let me know how that's pronounced. You can go ahead. I mean, this. Hey, he played in Cleveland. Uh, let's in 1989. He had 16 innings as a reliever that year. He also pitched in Minnesota. Uh, kudos to him. 15-year career. Pitched for Montreal for eight years, Minnesota for two, Philly for two, Houston for two, Detroit for two, Kansas City for one, New York for one, San Francisco for one, and Cleveland. That is have arm will travel. I'm like I didn't even have to look. 
Uh, I wasn't paying super close attention. Like, he has to be a lefty. Yes, of course, he was a lefty reliever in an era where every team occasionally wanted one. And that's how you carve out a career. That's how the only, well, not the only, we had uh, a pro football player as well, but it's how the the only pro baseball player and one of the only athletes ever out of my high school uh, carved out a career was uh, have a left-handed arm, will travel. Uh, who the Indians take? They took Craig Adams, another high schooler out of uh, William Boone High School in Orlando, Florida. Obviously, the scouts spent a lot of time in Florida. He would get up to Double A as well. Uh, not super productive. Let's let's be honest. 743 OPS, 257, 345, 398 slugging. Had no power for the majority of his minor league career. That's that's what got Craig Adams to not work out in the fourth round. They would go high school again, but they wouldn't sign him. Uh, in the sixth round, Bill Shear, they drafted another player they would fail to sign. He would eventually end up being drafted by the Reds as a first rounder in the January draft secondary phase. So back in that weird time. Uh, so that would have been actually, so Cleveland drafts him in June out of, uh, high school. He, out of, uh, Bishop O'Hare in Tonawanda, New York, cold weather arm. Uh, the Reds would then take him later on that year, essentially. They'd take him January, the beginning of the next year, so he wouldn't never actually pitch for whatever college he was committed to because he could be redrafted since he didn't sign. Was the top pick in that entire draft, and he would go on to appear in 228 big league games, over 300 innings. Uh, again, lefty. Have lefty, will travel. Mostly as a lefty reliever, pitch for Cincinnati, Detroit, Philly, and uh, Baltimore. Continuing down, Joe Beckwith was a 12th round pick. They drafted who did not sign at the University of Auburn, who got to the big leagues. And we'll save the uh, you know the big name here, the 14th round success story, the, the one player who makes this a not bad class. Because so far, the only guys they've drafted who got to the big leagues they didn't sign, uh, Beckwith would then be a second round pick the next year after being a 12th round pick. In 76, he'd be a second-round pick, and he'd get to the big leagues with the Dodgers, and he would appear in 229 games, 422 innings. So that's that's a successful career. Even if both Shear and Beckwith had very low wars for their career, they pitched a lot. Uh, they made it up. But so far, you have an Indians grouping in here that was very high school heavy. Their first college player was Steve Nilsson out of Penn State. They didn't sign him. First one they would sign was John Tessing out of Nunez Community College. And then the first one they signed from like a East Texas Baptist, like, I mean, they really didn't even hit like a big name program, uh, University of Buffalo, like that program doesn't exist anymore. Uh, then we have University of Louisiana Lafayette, University of Georgia. So there we go. Dwayne Wilson, University of Georgia. They take him. Uh, he, man, those teens, I bet he, yeah, he had a very short career going as a first baseman. Uh, if the University of Georgia player, the University of Buffalo was uh, Joe Buzaski. Uh, we also had a Toledo guy and a shortstop, Terry Tyson. Buffalo, most successful player, Joe Hesketh, followed by Tom Murphy, the catcher. Uh, in terms of high picks, they've had second rounders of Pete Grime, Tom Murphy, and Joe Hesketh, who uh, was in 1980. Uh, Buzaki was you know, was a okay, like in the minors. It's a whole lot of not much in this draft class. Like I said, we're saving that 14th round pick. We're going to come back and talk about him in the final segment of the show today. 
quickly before we do, we should just go through. Uh, so Alan Trammell is, isn't the best player in this class. Because if you really know this class, I, I made a blunder there that I forgot about. Uh, a certain 14th round pick. So a player the Indians passed on four times uh, named Ricky Henderson out of Oakland Technical High School in Oakland, California. Yeah, that, that worked out pretty well as a fourth round pick. Uh, 96 overall. So a lot of teams passed on Ricky Henderson. Uh, a smart team could have, by the way, taken Alan Trammell in round one, Ricky Henderson in round two, Jack Morris in round three. So that's right, the Tigers got Morris and Trammell in this class uh, in, in Brigham Young University for Morris. I don't know if there was concerns about uh, you know having to do... Oh, Ted Power, future Indian, also won the fifth round. <laughs> It's like I don't even I couldn't have a memory of Ted Power pitching for the Indians, but I can remember like his baseball card. That that's just kind of where my mind is uh, going through. Like if uh, to go back to my original thoughts, like did Morris have to do service? I don't believe so because he was drafted in '76 and he's in the big leagues in '77. So that that just went well. Oz, uh, Ozzy Virgil, I remember him. He had nearly a 10 WAR two-time all-star who went in the ninth round as a catcher again I could I saw the name I'm like I remember that baseball card like that's I'm sorry he's a sixth rounder and there was talent to be had Uh, Willie McGee didn't sign with the White Sox uh he went in the eighth uh he went in the seventh round in the seventh round uh the Red Sox took Wade Boggs out of Plant High School in Tampa a lot of you know Kyle Tucker's out of Plant so right now we have you could have uh, and Ozzie Smith did not sign when taken by the Tigers in the uh, in the with the second overall pick. So that's right. If the Tigers had just had a little bit more money, they could have come out of this class with Alan Trammell, Ozzie Smith, and Jack Morris. That that is correct. He would the Tigers took him in the seventh round. Uh, he would then the next year go in the fourth round to the Padres. So yeah, the Wizard of Oz uh, was there. Like I said, Willie McGee and Ozzie Smith, two parts of those important. Cardinals uh, teams did not sign. Wade Boggs, obviously one of the best pure hitters of my lifetime. Uh, let's see. As we just keep doing this final check through the important rounds of naming anyone of particular note, future friends, and or top performers. Uh, that's that's really it on those day two picks. Uh, it's I mean you got Ricky Henderson, Jack Morris. We talk Ozzie Smith and Willie McGee though they don't sign. We got Wade Boggs. It's a good draft class, just not for the Cleveland Indians. We're going to come back and discuss where they did find success in the 14th round, the greatest 14th round pick in franchise history. In a moment, let's take a moment and talk about stance. Uh, when I mentioned in our group chat, like I don't know stance as well. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I immediately realized how old I was. All the young kids in the chat, as I'm one of like, you know, I, I'd say maybe about 10% of the chat is over 40, but most of our uh, hosts are in their 20s and they immediately start showing their stance gear, uh, talking about how cool it looks, how great it feels. Well, I don't know about stance personally. I would love if they sent me some uh, gear. I could give a better talking point on them. I can say from those I trust from the other hosts from just our quick discussion, A, it's a cool young thing. So if you want to be cool and young, get some Stance gear. I did enjoy their Houston Astros trash can socks. Like if I was going to buy from Stance, I would probably get those. I'm still salty about the Astros. We're Guardians fans. We should be. They they had at least one offseason that they hosed us. So, uh, or one postseason, I should say. But 
they have some fun stuff like that, like trash can socks. And it's not just sports. You can get Star Wars. I know, I think I read in here, Harry Potter, Disney, Marvel, Wu-Tang Clan, Goonies, all sorts of fun stuff. It's all very comfortable. Uh, the co- All my co-hosts talk about the quality and the comfort. Hoodie socket doesn't matter. It's all great over at stance.com. And Stance believes the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Those who feel good, do good. Go see it for yourself and register for an account at Stance and get 15% off your first purchase. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a less a life less ordinary with Stance. So before break, I said the greatest 14th round pick. I meant greatest 18th round pick in franchise history. Uh, just quickly going through, I do have to point out in the 17th round, is a player that we, we can't skim over. A player who would pitch in the big leagues in 1977 at age 23. <laughs> would pitch 21 years in the big leagues. Uh, you probably think of this guy as an Oakland uh, athletic. That is where he spent eight years of his career, his best parts. For me, it's playing video games as the athletics in the early 90s. I remember Rick Honeycutt. Do you remember Rick Honeycutt? For a guy with a 21-year career, he played for Oakland, the Dodgers, the Rangers, Seattle, St. Louis, and New York. Like six teams in a 21-year career, that's not a ton. Drafted by Seattle, came up with Seattle, was drafted as a first baseman out of the University of Tech, uh, Tennessee at the time. Uh, of course, most known as a left-handed pitcher who was highly effective on those great Oakland A's teams. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that he was, a, you know, and he, he was the All-American first baseman, and he won a batting title, the batting title in the SEC by hitting 404. Uh, so yeah, he was, you know, I'm not sure if he was a two-way guy or what, but he was he was a first baseman more in uh, college. So good find and uh, discovery by Seattle. I mean, Seattle's the one who convert, drafted him and converted him. Now, enough about Rick Honeycutt. It's just, again, you know, I got memories of him. That's what's fun with this class is some of those guys that just kind of stick out. Greatest 18th round pick in Indians history. And the reason I thought... Um, I was thinking he was 14th, as he was the 14th overall selection. Now, the University of Arizona. Now, this was a great draft for the University for Arizona State, but Arizona still had some uh, some players. And by the way, side note, some Ohio love here in the 18th round. Bowling Green University, Larry Owen did not sign, but he was drafted 6th in the 18th round. He would get to the big leagues for 171 games. Not bad for the MAC player. And Coleraine High School, who we already mentioned once in this draft class, they would have a catcher drafted, Richard Harris, in the 12th round by the Rangers. I believe it was the Mets who drafted the last Coleraine guy. Uh, he would never get redrafted. I'm not sure who, where he went to school after that. But yeah, I thought that was fun. Another Ohio prep player in that class, teammates uh, taken. And, you know, it. yeah, it's just interesting. It's fun to look at. They only have six players in the entire system. Uh, Jeff Krause and Tim Krause got to assume that... Uh, Tim is the son of Jeff. Yeah, and Jeff was the first uh, first rounder. So Jeff and Slariff were teammates. But the Indians pick, the one I've been uh, bearing the lead on, is, is Ron Hazy, the catcher who would appear in 1,192 games. Uh, I almost misread the column. So instead of, I'm laughing because it was 3,444 at bats, but at first I read that in the home run column. I was like, what? what? 71 home runs for his career. So highly effective catcher who played a lot of games in the big leagues. This was his fourth time being drafted. Uh, and he was drafted out of Tucson High School in 72. Then as a junior, he gets drafted, does not sign as a 22nd round pick, gets drafted as an 18th round pick, does sign. So that's right. I mean, he wanted to stay home. He stayed home for school. Then he went to Cleveland, and you know he was an effective backup. He had some, like, 1980, he was great. 
318 batting average, 390 on base, 446 slugging. That's a really good year. How about 1985? Uh, so in 84, he goes to the Cubs, comes back to Cleveland. Or I'm sorry, 85, he goes to the Yankees, 296, 369, 13 home runs. Again, this is the, it's the only time he had double-digit home runs in his career. Uh, hit nearly 300, 878 OPS, a 140 OPS plus. Did not strike out hardly at all. His highest strikeouts in a season is 51, so he's excellent contact bat. Now, later on in his career, when he gets into his 30s, I mean, he played till age 38, the batting average starts to fall apart. How about 1986? Split between two teams. Uh, this is age 33 season. I mean, he spent his prime with Cleveland because he was a senior. He got to the big leagues in 78, and he was already 25 years of age. Uh, and then he was with Cleveland through age 30. Leaves Cleveland to... Gets, looks, gets traded to Chicago, signs with New York, and that New York year he ends up getting traded to the White Sox. Across both those teams that year, he hit 323, 406 on base, 481 slugging, 887 OPS. So age, age 32 and age 33 years, uh, he has just a complete breakout. Those are his high watermark years. Now, he'd been really good at age 30 and 83. He'd been really good at age 27. He hadn't been great in uh, 81. I'm betting injuries with only 61 games, but... Most years in Cleveland, he was a solid offensive catcher, and he had some really monstrous years, and then it kind of came undone for him. But again, he's a catcher in his 30s, mid to late 30s. That's not surprising. Uh, now, he was part of the uh, him and Rick Sutcliffe to the Cubs that netted them. Joe Carter, Mel Hall, who we'll just not touch on, and Don Scholes. But yeah, I mean, Ron Hazy is a fantastic catcher, probably deserves more run than he has gotten in terms of his place of Indians history and just in terms of great cat. He's probably, I you know, I'm not going to even have to go dig, but I bet if you look at the numbers, I can tell you he's better than Sandy Alomar. Like for all the, the prop he gets, I, I get run down. People don't like when I say that, but like Hazy was better than Alomar. Uh, when you're looking at offensive production, I'm betting he is one of the five best catchers in Indians history. I'm just willing to make that bet right now. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Guardians podcast. Uh, I probably still say Indians throughout. It's going to take years to change that, if I am being honest. Thank you for listening, rating, and reviewing. It really helps this show grow. And as we say now, go, go, Guardians, go.